Welcome to Diving Board, a show about artists, the art they create, and the wide range of social and cultural ideas they explore. I'm Bill Valerio, and I run the Woodmere Art Museum, where we tell the stories of Philadelphia's art and artists. On this episode, we're going to dive into the work of Gilbert Lewis as part of our latest exhibition of his work, Many Faces, Many Figures. Gilbert Lewis is one of Philadelphia's leading figurative painters. His work is characterized by unique combinations of contrasting qualities, boldness and delicacy, bright color and nuanced shades, and a direct approach to composition combined with attention to detail. At a time when it required real courage, Lewis portrayed Philadelphia's gay male experience, and that's one of the main explorations of Woodmere's exhibition. We also include numerous examples of the portraits he made of the seniors who became his friends in the nursing home where he worked as an art therapist for nearly 20 years. Gilbert's talent lies in part in an ability to depict people with many dimensions of character, whether they be friends or professional models he had met for the first time, whether they were gay or straight, nude or dressed. He was at heart a portraitist who captures the fashion moments of his time. He also transcends the particulars of the times, and his work is meaningful to us today. Nowadays, many of us express our identity online. We build digital self-portraits, so to speak, on Facebook and social media, and thanks to the records of our searches and activities on the internet, our intellectual habits become, in their totality, a portrait of who we are, what we're interested in, and what we do. Lewis takes us back to a time when self-identity, identification, self-representation was expressed differently. And I would say that identity is the true subject of his art. And that is his own identity as an artist who lives in Philadelphia and is gay, interacting with people and recording in his chosen medium of watercolor and gouache, the nuances of social relationships as expressed in facial expression, body language, and clothing. Sometimes he captures a reflection of himself in a mirror, painting at his easel and gazing out at his subject. As I've described, Lewis was ahead of his time painting queer subject matter in Philadelphia. It wouldn't be news today, but it was back in the 1960s and 70s when Gilbert started painting. When you see the show, you'll also see that his still lifes are astonishing to behold. This is where he showed off his technical virtuosity. And I'll add that his portraits capture a real sense of human vitality, often expressing a refreshing sense of humor. Woodmere's exhibition is one of several taking place in 2020 to honor Gilbert Lewis. The Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts and the William Way LGBT Community Center have also organized exhibitions, as has Philadelphia's relatively new commercial art gallery, Cap Cap. 
Gilbert's work can be purchased as well online at Terentian Gallery. Gilbert Lewis is now in his 70s. Unfortunately, he's no longer able to converse about his work as a result of his struggle with Alzheimer's disease. It makes me sad that he won't even have the ability to come see the exhibition at Woodmere or any of the other shows that will be taking place across Philadelphia. We're going to spend this episode with four people who knew Gilbert Lewis well. In this order, we're going to hear from Jody Pinto, a longtime friend and artist, Tony Rulo, his long-term model, Noel Butcher Hanley, his one-time art dealer and gallerist, and Eric Rimshaw, a former partner and longtime friend who now oversees his healthcare. But before we hear from these four individuals, just a few quick biographical notes you should know about Lewis. He grew up in Virginia and started making art when he was just seven years old. He found his calling early in life. In 2000, when the Philadelphia Museum of Art included his work in a group exhibition, Gilbert described what it was like to work as a child in the studios of adult art teachers. These are his words. The teaching methods of carefully observed studies from nature in charcoal or tempera were quite classical and derived from the original French academic model. However, my eye and consciousness were mostly activated by the reproductions on the studio wall of works by Botticelli, Leonardo, and Michelangelo. Eventually, Lewis ended up in Philadelphia, where he studied at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts from 1963 to 1968, where he won several prestigious prizes. While at PAFA, he became close friends with Jody Pinto, who went on to become an acclaimed artist in her own right. Both won a prize that allowed them to travel, and they traveled together. We're about to hear from Jody that it was an experience that shaped the future careers of both artists. Gil and I went to Europe, and it was the most extraordinary trip for both of us, the most extraordinary life-changing experience for both of us. It was the year of the Great Flood in Florence. It was 1967. It was just before the students in Europe exploded. The bicycles were painted white in Amsterdam. We stayed at a gay hotel in Amsterdam. There were plane loads of gay men coming from England to Amsterdam. We went to the bars in Amsterdam and everyone would jump up and hug each other when a great song came on. And I think for Gil, well, there were so many funny, funny experiences. At the time when we went to Spain, Franco was still alive, unfortunately. And there was a curfew, a 10 o'clock curfew. We never met our curfew. We were usually banging on the doors of pensions, begging to get in. 
But we would go to all these wonderful museums. Some of them were out of the way. And I began to understand Gil as a gay man in a very intimate way. He was cute as anything. Gil had a thing for shoes. Now they talk about men having a thing for women's shoes. Well, Gil had a thing for shoes. So when we were in any country where they made beautiful shoes, Spain, Italy, Amsterdam, Gil would buy a pair of shoes. We didn't have much money, but Gil found money for shoes. When we were in Spain, I remember we walked down the corridor of the Prado and they had all the Goyas, the horrors of war, under glass. And I remember we were always chatting, but when we went down that corridor, we both were so moved because, you know, when you see a reproduction, it's a reproduction. But when you look down and you see the actual prints, we were both sick to our stomachs. We both had wobbly legs. And then we turned the corner at the end of the corridor and there was the 8th of May and the two portraits on either side. And the horrific paintings also on either side. And Gil had a funny way of looking at things. He could say something that was hilarious, but he would say it in a very sort of nondescript way. We both didn't talk much for the rest of the day. And I'd never seen him like that. And I think I had never been so stunned by paintings in the flesh. We went just about everywhere we could, except Greece. We went to England, France, Spain, Amsterdam, Brussels. We couldn't go to Greece because the junta had just taken over. It was such a time in Europe that we went. I was so thrilled that it was that year that we went to Europe because I sensed a different gill on our way back. I know I was different. I think seeing paintings that we'd always seen in reproduction in the flesh, being inches away and understanding that we were only 20 years away from World War II. Gil and I would see in Spain people without arms, legs, pockmarked buildings with gigantic holes in the front. And I know it stunned him it certainly stunned me. We would see boys in Italy who looked like they'd stepped out of paintings, who had no idea of their beauty. I remember when we were in Amsterdam and we went to the Reich Museum and we went to the room with the Vermeers. And I know that that had an extraordinary effect on both of us. And I remember we just talked about the quiet, the light. When we came back, we had a year, one year left, which was free, which was wonderful at PAFA. And then we didn't know what to do with ourselves in terms of where we were going to live. And so Gil and I found a place on South Street 
1968, South Street was what South Street was. A woman opened up a dress shop, but she couldn't pay the rent for the entire building. So Gil and I took the second and the third floors in the building. Tiny. This was a tiny building. We had to walk through the woman's dress shop to get upstairs. And we'd be carrying paintings and we'd be dressed. We'd be a mess. And here the woman was trying to sell dresses that were quite flashy. It was living with Gil for, I guess we lived together for almost two years. For instance, talking about his sense of humor, I didn't cook very much, but Gil was a good cook. He could open a refrigerator door. There'd be a jar of peanut butter. There'd be some pasta. And maybe there'd be something else hanging on the door. He could make a wonderful dinner out of three ingredients. When I tried to cook, Gil would come over and look in the pan and say, hmm, crispy critters, meaning that I had burnt the fries or whatever it was that I was cooking. It was a wonderful two years. I would look at his work. He would look at mine. He would vanish nightly. <laughs> his work then which is what I'm really most familiar with because I moved back to New York in 1980. His work was extremely quiet. That's the best way that I can describe it. And you felt that when you looked at his watercolors and the gouaches. Most of the work was small, but you wanted to move closer instinctively. Some of it felt dreamlike. As we just heard from Jody, the shared European adventure proved to be a profound experience. Decades later, again, when the Philadelphia Museum of Art included Gilbert's work in a show, here's what he had to say about his travels in Europe. And again, these are his words. In 1967, having seen the Italian master's works while on scholarship from the Pennsylvania Academy, I was to realize my great influences and to discover the early Sienese master, artists like Duccio, whose clarity and energy still move me. The next person we're going to hear from is Tony Rulo. He was one of Gilbert Lewis's long-term continuous models. The two-way relationship between artist and model is the focus of PAFA's exhibition. Tony is going to tell us about how he first met Lewis and what their relationship was like over the years. I modeled for Gilbert from about 1985 up to around 1996, I think. He started painting a guy who was my roommate, and my roommate introduced me to Gilbert. He met a lot of models that way because I would tell people about my experience, they would see the pictures, and then they would want to do it also. So I know I probably got him like 20 different models just through friends and people that lived in the neighborhood. He just liked painting what he liked to paint. He would tell me that all the time. He would say, I paint what I like, and if people don't like it, that's fine. 
someday they're going to discover my work and I'm going to be famous and that's it. And I know he loved painting from live models and he probably would have done it 24 hours a day if he could. As far as what it was like to model for him, the first time I went to model for him, of course, I was a nervous wreck and I saw nude paintings everywhere, which was, for me, it was shocking. I'm not an artist. I'm, I don't know anything about art. I had lived in the city maybe like two years before I met Gilbert. So right off the bat, I was nervous about, is he going to ask me to take my clothes off? Like, what's going to happen here? And that was not the case. He walked in, he, he could tell I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> and he just told me, oh, just do whatever you want. Pose however you'd like, wear whatever you want. And that, like, that's what you did. You just, you would wear whatever clothes you'd want to wear. You know, I asked him, I said, well, why would some people walk in and just take their clothes off? Like, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> and he said, well, that's just what they wanted to do. That's what they're comfortable doing. So I was never comfortable doing that for a very long time because most of the paintings are just clothes that I wanted him to paint me in and, or just sitting with a shirtless that was about it. And it wasn't until years later that I started doing nude paintings. And so kind of the last couple years that I modeled for him, the paintings were nudes because once I did a nude, I discovered that it was so much easier to model nude than to have to worry about my clothes and like leaving clothes at his house so that he could paint the shirt properly and things like that. I loved modeling for him because he was so interesting and, you know, you'd walk in and we'd have these two-hour conversations about things that I otherwise wouldn't be talking about in my normal life. He could look at the most ordinary things and just sit here and tell me how beautiful that was. And it was like, I never looked at things like that before. And that's exactly like the kind of thing we would talk about. Like, there'd be some color and he would just go on and on about how beautiful this color was. And he loved clothes too. Like he would love it when I would be all excited about, oh, look at this thing I bought and, you know, I can't wait to wear it. And, you know, he would say, oh, let me paint you in that. And he loved to paint fabric. And again, that was like another thing that never occurred to me. We would look at pictures and he would say, oh, see the folds in the fabric and how beautiful this is and the way the light hits it. Because queer subject matter was Gilbert Lewis's specialty, his paintings were hard to sell. Noelle Butcher Hanley, who now works at the Allens Lane Art Center, was Gilbert Lewis's art dealer at one time in the 1980s. We're going to hear from Noelle about what it was like trying to show his work back then. We started out by showing the still lifes, which are just, I mean, gorgeous. I remember particularly the way he used white was really amazing. And then his second one-man show with me was the male nudes. And in my opinion, of course, my totally unbiased opinion, a phenomenal show. In Philadelphia at the time, this would have been the early to mid-80s. We knew it wasn't a show that was going to have a huge sales history, but frankly, that wasn't, from my point of view, the point. The point was to acknowledge the quality of his work, the beauty of his work, and frankly, in a tricky time to be representing male nudes as a male painter. I don't believe the show hit you over the head with the fact that it was gay art, but of course, the fact that there were no female nudes might give you a little bit of a hint. <laughs> but as a few years went by, I did spend some time with Gil driving him to New York to try to get him representation in galleries there. That 
didn't go as well for probably some of the obvious reasons. It was not easy work to sell, but certainly work that should be shown and should be appreciated and should be acknowledged, in my opinion. His work is just beautiful. And the thing that I enjoyed about some of the portraits where there's clothing involved is the richness of the color in contrast to the skin tones. I mean, oh my gosh, it just doesn't get any lusher. I can't totally believe that the models just walked in with, I'm thinking of a double portrait that I loved. And if I remember the colors correctly, one of the models was wearing a red shirt or sweater and the other was wearing a yellow and they were kind of leaning over each other. Oh my God, breathtaking. And you look at some of the greens and the purples and, you know, not to take away from the nudes, but when there was color involved in the paintings, that just was a whole extra yummy feature. Besides being a working artist, Gilbert Lewis was a professionally trained art therapist who worked for nearly 20 years in a nursing home in suburban Philadelphia from the late 1970s until the early 1990s. He also taught at PAFA, starting in the late 1990s, and later worked at Blick Art Supply Store from about 2002 to 2014. One person who's remained close to Gilbert for the past 40 years is Eric Rimshaw, an architect and interior designer in Philadelphia. With his husband Jim and the support of a small handful of friends, he has been overseeing Gilbert's care over the past five years and is helping to preserve his art. I met Gilbert when I was 26 at Equus Bar, and we became boyfriends and lived together for almost two and a half years. During that time, half of the apartment was his studio, and he was painting constantly. I was very young, and he was this sort of fabulous guy who loved art, and we would go to museums, and I remember we stalked David Hockney one day at the Metropolitan Museum. He loved David Hockney, and we cited him, and he wouldn't go up and say hello to him, but we stalked him through the entire museum. He was a very shy guy, and he loved the fact that he could disappear in his studio and paint, and he was an intense painter all the time, and he was always looking for ways to paint. He was always looking for people to paint. I think that for Gilbert, he was so openly doing a gay subject matter, it also gave him a chance to meet interesting young men without going to bars, to be frank with you. I think it was a part of the fascination for him that these young men would sit and talk to him while he painted, and he had incredible relationships as Tony with a lot of his models. He didn't like the gallery system, he hated being in these gallery settings. He loved having shows. He was very neurotic about the show system. He was very bad at being in the galleries when his work was up. He was often very odd about how he would select pieces to put in the gallery versus what he did in his studio and kept secret. And I was always intrigued with the way he would pick the pieces he would get to show. And I don't think he ever thought of it as he was a gay man doing gay subjects. He was simply who he was. And we're going to leave you now with these final thoughts from Gilbert himself. In a 2004 article from the Philadelphia Gay News, he shared some reflections about his paintings of young men and old people in the context of an exhibition, Becoming Men, that went up in New York at about that time. These are Gilbert's words. One of my motivations in painting has been to celebrate the beginning of adulthood for the young and the final period of life for the old. What struck me is that both young men and old men are ignored by society. 
Despite our ostensible focus on youth, young men are in a sort of netherworld, no longer teenagers and yet not fully adults. They're in transition with no established identity and no real place in society. A nursing home is basically an orphanage for elderly adults. It's a place where people don't really have their families anymore and visiting relatives and the staff constantly tell them what to do and don't stop to hear what they have to say. When I was with them doing art therapy and making portraits, we were one-on-one and we were free to talk about whatever they wanted with assurance that it would remain confidential. They often told me things even their children didn't know. What they had in common with the young men who were modeling for me is that they could talk and know that someone was listening. My good fortune was that my young models really appreciated the fact that an adult person was actually there for them and not telling them what to do. I never gave them explicit instructions other than to tell them where to sit or stand or I let them decide how they would do it. I took the cue from each model. Special thanks to Jody Pinto, Tony Rulo, Noel Butcher-Hanley, and Eric Rimshaw. They spoke with us as part of a larger Zoom conversation we recorded about Gilbert, and you can read excerpts of our conversation and others on Woodmere's website when you click on the digital catalog of Many Faces, Many Figures. Besides our exhibition at Woodmere, which we hope you'll enjoy, be sure to check out the other two Gilbert Lewis shows at the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts and the William Way LGBT Community Center. Also check out Cap Cap Gallery and Torrential Gallery online. And of course, for more details about our exhibition, go online to woodmereartmuseum.org. Stay in touch with us on social media at Woodmere Art. Diving Board's producer is Stephanie Marutis of Cruvenda Media. And I'm Bill Valerio. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, 